Oh, no. Not you too, Joan. If one more person suggests some kind of exercise regimen I know I should have but have zero time for, I'm going to finally give in and go buy Malamars. Well, first off, if you want Malamars, go get them. I'm not going to stop you. If you love Malamars, you should have Malamars. I love Malamars. Next. Hang on. Let me finish this intro so you can decide if this episode will offer you any insights or actionable ideas that live in what you may think is the fantasy land of self-care. Nearly four years ago, I decided my health was a priority. I had just turned 60. I wanted to channel my inner Aunt Kathy. She's my mom's identical twin sister. She's now 94. She tried pickleball for the first time when she was 84. She won the 65-plus Metro Atlanta Women's Doubles Championship well into her 70s. If that's not entirely true, it's mostly true. And she reads about a dozen books a month. At that time, at least, we had the reading thing in common because it was such a wonderful sedentary activity. So I decided to get a trainer. I went looking for someone who actually enjoyed working with boomers or Gen X folks. I wasn't pointed to someone who just enjoys it. I was pointed to someone who does this. Now, (laughs) honest, he's not my guest today because I ran out of real guests. He is the real deal with really valuable things to share with you today as I do whatever I possibly can to encourage you to take good care of yourself. He's a trainer, a biomechanic. He knows about the intersection of food and health. He was determined at one point to be a clinical psychologist, and it turned out that he took his psych undergraduate degree and put it to work in the gym. Today, I can lift heavy boxes without grunting, and I can climb a set of stairs without panting. And while I might at some point fall and break my hip, it won't be because my balance sucks. I have offered advice to Chris as he's built his online presence. I suggested a tagline, because nobody wants to fall down. We agreed this might be a bit too narrow, but we did have a good laugh while we, oh, he always says we an hour, but when we work out, but I do all the work. Today, we're going to talk about taking care of yourself. You have very hard jobs, not just intellectually, but emotionally. And you have absolutely no time. But you did make time to listen to this episode, and Chris and I plan to make the most of it. You deserve nothing less. Greetings and welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. I'm your host, Joan Gary, founder of the Nonprofit Leadership Lab, where we help smaller nonprofits thrive. I'm also a strategic advisor for executive directors and boards of larger nonprofits. I'm a frequent keynote speaker, a blogger, and an author on all things leadership and management. You can learn more at joangary.com. I think of myself as a woman with a mission to fuel the leadership of the nonprofit sector. My goal with each episode is to dig deep into an issue I know that nonprofit leaders are grappling with by finding just the right person to offer you advice and insights. Today is no exception. Chris Barlicks is a health coach and personal trainer who's been helping people optimize their health and fitness since 2005. Having completed over 15,000 coaching sessions to date, Chris specializes in helping busy people over 45 reap the powerful benefits of regular physical activity. When he's not coaching clients, he serves as the director of education for one of the largest hospital-affiliated fitness companies in the United States, Fitness and Wellness Professional Services. 
He holds a degree in psychology from Seton Hall. He's a certified strength and conditioning specialist to the National Strength and Conditioning Association. I guess that's where you get that certification. And a certified health and wellness coach to the National Board of Medical Examiners. Through public speaking, social media, and his blog at chrisbarlicks.com, Chris aims to make exercising more enjoyable, accessible, and practical for anyone beginning or recommitting to their fitness journey. He lives in New Jersey with his wife, Patrice, their three-year-old son, Declan, and their very newborn daughter, Avery. Chris, this is actually fun. We get to spend time together while I just sit on my butt. What a nice change of pace. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Joan. Yes, this is this is wild. This is so great. I'm I'm elated to be here. <laughs> well, today we're going to do our podcast, okay, Chris? Okay, we're going to do our yeah. podcast. Yeah, okay. usually I'm doing our squats, but today, our podcast. Today I'm doing the hard work. All right, yeah, I got exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. So how do we have this conversation, Chris, in a way that that sticks with people, that actually inspires them to think differently about their health and wellness and doesn't make them feel bad because they don't have a trainer. What do you think? So I don't know if they have to think differently about their health and wellness. I think my goal, if I'm going to provide value to your listeners, is to help them maybe think differently about exercise per se, because it's kind of like the make sure you eat your vegetables kind of vibe, right? Nobody nobody likes to do exercise. And, and I always say it's probably the worst branded activity out there, right? Everybody thinks that exercise is this punishment that you need to do to you know, pay penance for either something you've eaten or for sitting down too long. And it, it's just this miserable thing for most people. So I'm hoping to provide some valuable information and, you know, challenge, challenge people to, to maybe think a little bit differently about physical activity per this conversation. So the worst branded activities. So the, that's why the tagline, because you don't want to fall down, probably doesn't work. Right, Chris? Right. You know, and that's, that's a great point because yeah, most people, when they think of exercise, they think of starting it because they want to avoid something negative, right? I think, you know, I want to lose weight or I want to, you know, not die of cancer. I don't want heart disease. You know, my doctor's telling me I should because my blood pressure's up. You know, the biggest reason that a lot of people start exercise is they want to avoid something terrible from happening. And while that might be okay for starting it, it's, it's one of the worst sustainable motivators out there. So, you know, what I always say when I work with people is instead of trying to avoid a negative, try to go towards something that, that you want, a positive, right? Don't focus on what you want to lose from exercise in terms of weight, but focus on what you want to gain from it. Like, for example, someone will say, you know, I want to exercise because I want to, you know, get my insulin better. I want, I want my blood sugar to come down so I can avoid you know, being diabetic. And I'll talk about things that they would like to see happen in the next 10 years. And some people are talking about their favorite trips that they want to go on. And, you know, I think exercise is a great way to build your body up so you can get up and down off the ground and play with your kids or grandkids or go on that great trip or be able just to live life the way you want to. And that's, that's really what I'm focused on. I'm not trying to, to get people to avoid heart disease, even though that is a big benefit of exercise. I'm trying to think about something that's more fun and enjoyable to think about and work towards. It's actually interesting because when I work with nonprofit leaders and we talk about strategies and how to get, actually how to motivate donors to give and how to get, how to motivate volunteers to be engaged in something, right? What I encourage them to do is you actually have to draw a picture of the destination. Mm -hmm. A destination they're really excited to go on. So one of the examples I often use is 
Like, imagine that you have a car full of three kids in the backseat and you're driving like six hours to Disney World, right? And one of them is actually on the verge of throwing up in their backpack and the other one is like hitting the other one with, you know, rubber bands or something. And you can either focus on what's happening in the car about don't do that, don't do this, stop it, you're not going to throw up in the backpack. Or you can say, what's the first ride you're going to go on when we get to Disney World, right? And that's the kind of thing you're talking about is it takes the conversation out of the realm of the back seat and what not, what you shouldn't be doing and gets you focused on what's possible. You know, absolutely. And I, I just, on, as a side note, that that little kid thing in the back seat that triggers me a little bit because I'm like super stressed about long car rides now that I have two kids. Um, <laughs> but but you're, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, I always, I always encourage people to find their why. Like what's their why? Not what people are telling you to do, not what your doctor's telling you to do, not what you're reading, like, but what do you want to be able to do? How do you want to be able to live, you know, into your 70s, 80s, 90s and beyond? Because, you know, exercise can give you a lot of those benefits. And, you know, particularly for, for nonprofit leaders, you know, what I talk to professionals about is something that is not very well known around exercise. Exercise is one of the best things to do things like increase your energy and improve productivity, improve your mood, decrease, I mean, sick days, it's, it's really a very powerful thing. If it was a drug, it'd be almost like the steroids for a professional, except this is legal to do. So <laughs> when people think like, oh, I have no time to exercise, um, often what they find is, you know, if they take a half hour, and it just doesn't have to be a half hour in a row, it could be, you know, 10 minute spurts throughout the day, they actually find that by investing that time in themselves, it actually makes their work output better. Whereas it's kind of counterproductive. Like why would I, or counterintuitive, why would I take time away from my already busy schedule? I have so much to get done. But if they do this thing called exercise or physical activity, it actually can make it more likely that the time they do spend working will be more productive and efficient. So I think it's a perfect thing for you know, a stressed, busy nonprofit leader who's doing such important work just to think about another thing that they could possibly gain by exercising. So what you're saying, then I am not a nonprofit executive, but I do help the helpers, is that when Eileen says, don't you want to walk the dog at lunch? And I scoff at her that I have something to prepare for or a meeting I've just finished or about to begin, that I should actually get up off my butt and go walk that dog. Well, if, if you want to walk that dog, but I think the research is definitely on your side in that if you go walk the dog, particularly doing stuff outside can be very invigorating and it can be very energy restoring, particularly walking. I think a mistake a lot of people make about exercise is they think it has to be hard where you're like dripping with sweat and you're sore for the next two days afterwards or else it's not worth it. Like if it doesn't do that, doesn't make me sore, it is a waste of time. When it comes to things like improving your health and you know, productivity and energy, the research is actually pointing us in the direction of doing things that are a little bit more moderate to mild in terms of exercise. If you do like a high intensity interval training class right before your workday, that usually doesn't give people the same creativity boost or productivity boost that if you just did something like walking the dog, for example, would give you. Uh, so yeah, walk, 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 Charlie. Yeah, totally. Okay. So one of the things that I, I love about your approach is you know about fitness and psychology and also sort of how your body operates like as a machine. 
Like you, you know, we'll have a conversation and you might connect what I ate last night to my energy level during a workout. And that way I feel like you're kind of a mechanic. So my wife and I just moved into a new place. And thanks to Chris, I've really been meaning to thank you. I got to lift all the boxes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you work out, Joan, you can lift the boxes. Um, (laughs) But at some point I realized that my shins and the tops of my feet were killing me. And I found that really confusing, but you actually didn't. And so I wanted you to talk a little bit about the intersection of these things and why they're important when you work with clients, patients, victims, whatever you call them. (laughs) Friends, I'll say friends. Yeah, friends Um, is good. There you go. You know, I think when I train somebody or I'm working with an individual, I look at what I'm seeing from two different lenses. I look at it from, you know, here's your machine. The body is probably one of the most well-designed machines that we have. And I can't say anybody fully understands it. I certainly don't, right? I believe the more you learn about the body, the more you realize you don't know about the body, you know, but doing this for a while, I'm able to, to listen to the body a little bit differently than most people just from the experiences I've had. So, you know, when I, when I train, you know, clients and I encourage clients to do when they're training, Joan, as you know, is to think about what you're working. What do you feel? How did that feel? Did it feel, you know, a certain way in certain areas just to get really good awareness. But the other, the other lens I look at it through is I feel just as important. I look at the individual and and I try to make exercise fun. And I know that sounds completely hypocritical, like oxymoron almost, but it's something where I look at the individual and say, okay, how can we have a good time doing this? Because Mm -hmm. I look at this as playtime for adults. Like we're on a playground. I look at a gym as an adult playground. I look at what we're doing as play, not just because it makes the hour or half hour go quicker or whatever you're doing go quicker, but there's a lot of research saying if you're smiling, if you're laughing, if you're having a good time, if you're less stressed, when you're exercising, the exercise sticks a little bit better. Your body responds better to exercise. So I think a lot of exercise starts with mindset and mood. And if we're thinking it's fun or if we're thinking it's torture, it makes a difference. So I I like to think of it as as two different lenses when I'm working with somebody. So let's talk about this idea of um, working with folks who are Gen X and boomers. Um, Mm. I, I had to Google this. Gen X starts with people who are born in 1965. And I, I have to think that a, a, a fairly good percentage of my listeners fall into this cohort of 1965 or later, and, or earlier, excuse me. How did you come to specialize in what I call the mid-century modern body? I would say almost by accident first, and then by intention. So at first, I was you know, 19, 20 years old when I started uh, you know, as a trainer, and, you know, thought about, you know, working with people like me because I was 19, 20 and I was like, okay, I work out, got it. I'm just going to work out with people like me. And I did for the first couple of years, but then I got one of the best opportunities provided me a wonderful, wonderful medically based fitness center hired me. And I've been working with them for the last 17 years. And the average age of their population was 45, 50 years old. So right. the really great thing is I did get to see, you know, the, the 15, 20, 25, 30 year olds. Um, but I got to also work with people that were 95 wow. and, you know, got to, got to realize that, 
you know, weight loss is a component for a lot of people when it comes to their exercise goals, but helping people fit into their skinny jeans is, is fulfilling. But when someone says to me, you know, Chris, because of my work with you, I was able to go on that vacation and enjoy it. Or I get pictures of people hiking and at the top of the mountain, taking pictures and saying like, you made this possible. Or someone saying, you know, my doctor says I don't have to take my blood pressure medication anymore. Or like, for me, that is far more fulfilling than anything. And so that's really what made me point or, or, or go in that direction professionally. I really, I realized for me, that's, that's what made me feel very fulfilled. And I had, you know, I was blessed with the opportunity to work with probably at this point, hundreds, if not thousands of, of people within that group. So. And I, I should say you can't see Chris, but Chris is not in that group actually. <laughs> And so it's also, it's a little counterintuitive, right? You think to yourself, well, I, if I'm going to work with somebody who really knows 45 plus, you'd think that person would be 45 plus. And someday Chris will be 45 plus. And with a brand new baby, he's aging quickly. Um, so let's talk about metabolism for a second, okay? Some folks use this as an excuse for their condition. Like, even if I play 45 minutes of racquetball, I'm still going to be a schlub because I'm older and my metabolism just slowed down. I, th mm -hmm. uh, I, I think you bust that myth. Why don't you do that for us? Yeah, metabolism is one of those things that keeps being thrown around. But, you know, I look at metabolism as, as how your body's functioning, right? It's not just about how many calories you're burning at rest, like most people think. That's the basal metabolic rate. But it's also how well your body's repairing itself and how your body's recovering and how you know your cardiovascular system is working and your endocrine system is working and so it's just it metabolism is a key for like how well your body's working so if your if your metabolism is functioning very well if it's healthy it doesn't just mean that you're going to burn more calories it means that you're going to be healthy but there's actually been i think it was in august there was a study that came out that suggested that what we what we've always thought about metabolism as getting slower as we age may not be 100% right. Research is suggesting, and again, there's a lot of speculation still, but research is suggesting that it really, between the ages of 20 and 60, it doesn't slow down that much from age. In fact, it doesn't really slow at all from age until the age of 60. So from 20 to 60, our metabolism is pretty, pretty on the straight and narrow. But there are definitely things that we do that can affect your metabolism, right? So certain foods that you eat can slow your metabolism a little bit, whereas certain foods that you eat can increase it. Exercise, especially if it's done um, well, where you're not punishing yourself with super, super hardcore exercise all of the time, um, and you're focusing on doing things like resistance training for lean muscle building, that can increase your metabolism. So, you know, the facts are the facts, but what I like to tell people is, you know, focus on what you can control and forget about what you can't. And a lot of people think they just can't control their metabolism. It's just something that happens to them and it makes them feel very, very defeated. And I just encourage people to, to learn a little bit more about what metabolism is and make them realize, no, it's something that is absolutely within your control. There's something you can do about it and exercise can certainly help you with it. The Nonprofit Leadership Lab is led by Joan Gary and is the world's best online community for leaders of small nonprofits. Learn how to raise more money, build the board of your dreams, grow a large audience of supporters, and so much more. To learn more and request an invitation to become a member, please go to nonprofitleadershiplab.com 
slash podcast. That's nonprofitleadershiplab.com slash podcast. I promise those of you that are listening that Chris is going to offer some uh, actionable advice. This is kind of the, you know, this, we're pre-gaming here. We're warming up. We're doing those, you know, we're doing our core exercises before we actually get into the, the <laughs> one-legged deadlifts. But I, I, I wanted to, before we jump into some of that, you've written a book called Cracking the Code. Crack the crack code. your code. Crack, yep. crack your code. And I thought we should just talk a little bit of, about that book, sort of why you wrote it and what's the what's the big takeaway from it? Yeah. So I wrote Crack Your Code as as a way of just dispelling some common myths around weight loss, particularly. It's a book that I wrote particularly towards, you know, how to lose weight and keep it off. And, you know, in my in my career, I've helped number of people lose weight, and it's always been different. And I wrote Crack Your Code because the, the overall theme of the book is how do you become your own weight loss detective, right? A lot of people think of, okay, I have to exercise a certain way. I have to eat a certain way. They're, they're kind of passengers on their journey. Like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And it probably stems from you know, we have very little mental energy to spare, particularly if we're, if we're working hard at an organization on a very important mission plus we have family responsibilities on top of that, plus everything else that life throws at us. We just want someone to give us like the bullet points and we'll follow them. And it makes sense from an efficiency standpoint, but from a long-term success standpoint, it doesn't. So what I encourage people to do in the book, and I go over some strategies as how you can do it, is to think of yourself as the driver, right? Figuring out what process works for you. And it very rarely is by following somebody else's diet. So I, I just try to outline that, try to get people to think differently about it because those that have always been successful at losing weight have a much more active role in their process. They, they have some you know, boundaries from which to play within, but they learn strategies that work for them. They learn their specific keys to success. So books about helping you identify your keys to success that work for you. I like that idea of being your own detective, right? Is And I feel like that's something I've really learned from you is being able to sort of understand, oh, I think my energy is lower because I had linguine white clam sauce last night for dinner, you know, as opposed right. to that really healthy salad with cooked shrimp right. on top, right? That that is actually different. Like what you put, the fuel you put in your tank actually impacts, you know, there's just so many sunlight. I mean, all of those things impact. It's not just, I have a really hard job. I mean, yes, I have a really hard job and I don't, I can barely get up from my desk to pee is as a piece of the puzzle, but mm -hmm. there's just all kinds of ingredients that get thrown into the stew pot that helped you to unearth who you are as a, who you want to be as a healthy human being and what are the ingredients to that. Yeah. Um, and just one yeah. final point, Jonah, sure. if, I, if I may, you know, there's, there's a lot of times in the, in the health and fitness space, particularly where so many people are just telling you what to do. This is what you should do. This is how you should do it. And, you know, I, I tend to steer away from that because, you know, I find myself as a fitness professional, I'm, I'm thinking of myself as more of a GPS and the person that I'm working with is kind of steering the wheel themselves. It's their journey. So you know, identifying your specific keys to success really become important. And it takes a lot of self-awareness and takes a little bit of mental mental work. But yeah, I, I encourage people to think about what, what do you think is going to work for you? Not what worked for your friend or your neighbor or so, someone on social media. What do you think is going to work for you in your life? Because um, that is always the answer. 
So we're going to talk about that. We're actually having a conversation about self-care and health and fitness with Chris Barlix, who is a health coach and personal trainer um, who has a particular specialty in working with folks in Gen X and the boomer category. And uh, just, a, just an interesting mix of experience, both in psychology and health, fitness, and his experience working with a company that is affiliated with hospital, a gym that is affiliated with hospitals, has made him uniquely suited to work with what I call the mid-century body. So you just said everybody's different, right? Like mm-hmm. there's no one size fits all here. And yet there are things people can do, right? And and I and I can hear my listeners say, okay, well, okay, you know, everybody's custom. And I have really good for Joan. She's got a trainer. And good for Joan. Chris seems really smart and like a really nice guy. And those things are true, by the way. But how can he help me? I have an emotionally draining job. Sometimes I feel like I should be wearing a firefighter hat, which would be, it would be hard to work out with a firefighter hat on, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never know what my day is going to have in, in store for me. And I, if you tell me I need to get on an elliptical machine every day at 5.30 and eat kale, I think I might turn this podcast off. So um, what advice can you offer folks out there who are, really, they have hard jobs. And, and like I said earlier, it's not just busy. It's, it's taxing, right? right? You get people that are running domestic violence shelters, right? People who are hearing the stories of homeless people or dealing with folks who are grappling with mental illness, right? This is stuff that takes it out of you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to throw the floor to you. Sort of what advice can you offer folks about how they can take better care of themselves? Maybe we should stop using the word fitness and focus on this idea of health and wellness. I don't know. You tell me, Chris, I'm all ears. Got it. First, I always say, you know, be kind to yourself. I mean, everybody's doing the best they can with what they have. I, I certainly empathize with, you know, working 12 hours a day plus coming home to two young kids and everything else life throws. And I have a job where I get to do fitness. So it's kind of fun. So those that are working with, you know, just so many different, you know, challenges within the world and trying to solve them, I, I, I my hat's off to you. So if you haven't gotten around to self-care, I think it's important first to not beat yourself up. But if it's something that you're thinking of wanting to improve a little bit or trying to, you know, get some extra time for yourself and focus on yourself, I think it's really key to to start small. It's not you have to go to a gym for an hour because when you think of going to the gym for the hour, there's the drive time, there's the changing, there's the showering, the locker room, it's like an hour and a half and nobody has that. But I encourage people to just think about your schedule and find, you know, five, 10 minute windows for activity breaks. That, that's usually a good place to start and everything counts. So the first thing I would say is, is start small, looking at windows that make sense for you, whether it be first thing in the morning, lunch breaks, even during the, the day, you know, during the phone call, can you stand up and walk around a little bit? So I, I think looking for little opportunities becomes key. And then, you know, another thing I say is try to find either something that is enjoyable or doesn't completely suck for you um, <laughs> or <laughs> to be, or find a way to make exercise suck less by, you know, surrounding yourselves with certain people or doing something that makes it more enjoyable. So for example, 
you know, I know people that are, they, oh, I want to walk, but it's so boring. Like it's, it's so boring. Find ways to make it less boring. Like, you know, you could listen to podcasts, you know, you could be <laughs> listening to us right now while you're walking. You could, you know, find a friend or a couple of people to walk with you. Maybe you can have a meeting, I'll make it a walking meeting if the other party is willing to, to humor you. That's a really interesting, that's a really interesting idea, Chris, because actually yesterday, of course, was Sunday, right? I had a conversation with a client because who doesn't have, who doesn't work on Sundays? And she said, would you like to Zoom? And I said, no, actually, I'd like to go the old fashioned route and talk on the cell phone so that I can recline, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. When phones become the old fashioned route, you know, it's a different thing, but it actually didn't feel the work didn't feel as hard to talk to her on the phone as it Mm -hmm. did when I actually um, when I actually chat with someone via Zoom. And then Mm -hmm. to your other point, I did actually have a I have a funny shoulder. It's not like not not a funny ha ha shoulder, but I have a funny shoulder. And so Chris said, can you go take a walk? I, I live five blocks from the beach. And so he said, can you go take a walk on the boardwalk? And so I didn't have anyone to go with. So I brought Trevor Noah with me and I'm listening to Born a Crime, which by the way, I could not recommend more highly. And memoirs written, read by authors are just awesome. And so Trevor and I walked for a half an hour on the boardwalk and it was awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll let you keep going, but I just wanted to validate your point there, Chris. Yeah, I, I think I think those are all keys. And again, everybody has a thing that's going to be enjoyable for them. Some want to listen to music. Other people want to catch up with with loved ones on the phone. You know, walking meetings. I have I have several clients who, who say that when they're walking and talking on the phone or doing a meeting on the phone, it actually it makes them feel more creative. And a lot of the research backs that up exercise, particularly like walking or on the bike, can improve divergent thinking in in terms of opening up to more ideas. So if idea generation is what you're after, walking while you're doing the meeting can actually be quite helpful in solving um, the problem. I I also want to say that Chris, the conversation Chris and I have when we work out, when we work out, actually, have generated numerous blog ideas, ideas for podcast guests, Right. Because we're like sort of chatting about things. And my I don't know why people always say I have a great idea in the shower. That doesn't seem exactly the same. But I feel like I often come up with really good ideas I have to write down after we work out. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, it actually enhances brain derived neurotropic factor. They call it miracle grow for your brain. So while you're exercising and the blood's flowing, you're stimulating all these different areas of your body, you're also stimulating your brain. So it could actually be quite good for generating ideas. So happy to help in that category, Joan. So I, I think those are, those are some key things, but you know, at the end of the day, and I'll give you some more concrete strategies too, but at the end of the day, I always come back to, at first, it's about having a conversation with yourself um, and asking yourself, do I want to do this? And why do I want to do this? What's my why? What am I, what am I exercising for? What does success look like for me? And sometimes having that honest conversation about what I want to get out of exercise helps me personally, because there are times, on, you know, trainers don't want to work out all the time. I certainly don't want to work out all the time. There are certain times I have to make myself do it, but I always remember the why behind it. I know how I'll feel after I do it. So another big thing, because, you know, mental energy, while I'm on the subject, I just thought of it, mental energy is fleeting, particularly I can imagine for a lot of your listeners. Like if, if the day is super stressful, at the end of the day, you're left with very little mental energy. A trick I, I usually give 
to somebody is the worst time, if, if you want to exercise and you're planning to do it, the worst time to decide whether or not you're going to exercise is when you're sitting down relaxing. Um, <laughs> I know it sounds, you know, kind of crazy, but if you're sitting down relaxing, you know, the law of inertia, that's where the greatest amount of inertia is because you're going to have to get up. And then you're just like, nah, I think I'll just, I'll just chill for a little bit. I've had a long day. I always tell people to, if nothing else, create like a, a commitment to do something small. You know, I give people sometimes like the five minute rule, just, just walk around for five minutes or just hop on the bike for five minutes. If you're, if you have a bike at home or if you're going to the gym, just do some, just do some light stretching on the floor or light stretching, standing up, just do that for a couple of minutes. And at the end of that, if you really still don't want to exercise, then don't, but at least you've done that much. But most of the time when you're up and you're doing what you've committed to, that small amount, and at the end of it, you're most likely going to be in a different state of mind and go, you know what? I think I can continue doing a little bit more. And that little bit more turns into a little bit more. And before you know it, you've done a, a pretty good 20, 30 minute exercise session. But, but I always make that rule for myself and I, I give it to clients. Just create a five minute rule. Just say, no matter how I'm feeling, no matter how tired I am, no matter how stressed I am, for myself, I'm just going to try to do something very, very small, just for a couple minutes. And then if I still don't want to do it, I won't. You sound a little bit like BJ Fogg. Yes. And so, I, I love listening to him on your podcast. I feel very, actually, I, I've studied his work for a while. I feel very honored to be on the same podcast that he was on, actually. So, but yes, it's exactly right. It's, it's doing one push-up. Just do one push-up. Just do one chair stand. Just do one minute of walking. Something super small. And if it still seems overwhelming, break it down to even something a little bit smaller. And most people stop and they don't do that because they think, well, then what's the use? Like, then it's not a good use of my time. But if you're thinking of the long-term investment of being a little bit more active to get whatever your why is, then it's a very good use of your time and it's very well worth it. So, yeah, BJ Fogg is the author of Tiny Habits and uh, he's a, um, a very interesting guy and has, uh, has a lot to, there's a lot of intersection between what BJ talks about and what Chris is talking about here is that you can build up without actually making some large commitment that then feels so onerous that you blow it. Mm -hmm. You wrote a blog post about the difference between, about the, uh, maybe about busting the, about consistency. Right. And people always feel like I have to do this consistently or it's not worth doing at all. Like I have mm -hmm. to, I have to come up with a plan. Cause remember you're talking about, you know, busy professionals who are at the top of their game, whether they're in corporate or nonprofit, they're accustomed to planning and being really good at what they do. And so if they're going to have a plan to exercise, they're going to do it. They're going to go full on and then life gets in the way. They blow it. They get demoralized. Right. So, but you're, mm -hmm. you're not, you're not a champion necessarily for consistency. Well, you know, I think the whole point is, I think consistency is key, but I think the point is if there is a week where it's a bad week and you're not so consistent that week, you know, the thing that most people do is they feel deflated and then they just give up on it, right? They're like, oh, I ruined it, right? It's kind of like the all or nothing effect. If I don't have momentum continuing to carry me, I missed like two or three days 
it can be very hard to get back on the on the horse and continue. But that is everything, right? Because we're all going to, as a personal trainer, there are several times in the past couple of months where I did not exercise for a few days and you feel really crappy. And, you know, the thought of getting back into it is a bit harder, but that's really the big key of it. So, you know, again, I'm a champion for not beating yourself up mm-hmm. if you don't do it. Learning from the experience of, okay, so what what got in the way? Is it something that was completely uncontrollable, like honestly uncontrollable? Not something that we would tell somebody else, but we know when we're lying to ourselves or not. Was it really something that got in the way that was uncontrollable or is it something that I could plan for next time, right? You know, I know for myself, if I do not exercise before work, I don't do it. Like, I just don't. And I, I'm at a gym, mind you. So <laughs> after, after eight hours or nine hours or 10 hours of working at a gym, I know there's no way I want to stick around to exercise. So if I don't do it beforehand, so I do everything I can to plan for that. And then I have a contingency plan. If I, if I don't get to work out in the morning, you know, I do my five minute rule after, after work's over and that carries me through. But I, I am much, much better if I do it beforehand. So it's again, knowing yourself, um, being kind to yourself, but also being honest with yourself to really create a plan that's going to work for you. So Chris is going to, um, uh, we're going to include a link in the show notes for something that you can uh, go grab from his website. And maybe you could, you know, sort of, maybe some of the things you've already talked about, but what, what, what will we, f- you know, sort of the, what's, what's a good, I know you've talked about sort of five strategies and so what's the real tactical advice you're offering me? I'm, I'm, it's the beginning of the year and I'm, I'm ready to, to, in, to figure, to see if I can crack this code. Um, right. How can you help me? So I created a guide. It's it's the the guide for busy professionals who want to exercise. So, you know, if you go to my website, chrisbarless.com forward slash busy professionals, I created a guide because I think it's going to summarize some of what we're talking about. So, you know, no need to take notes during this, especially if you're driving, please don't, or on the elliptical. <laughs> um, if you're on the but, elliptical, I'm not sure you're actually listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But to bring value to those that are looking to start. And a lot of times people go, okay, great. I, I, I know it's good for me physically. Oh, that's interesting. Like, oh, it has some benefits professionally. But okay, so what do I do exactly? So what I try to provide in the guide is not just some, some general information that we're sharing today, but some keys um, and also some specific exercises. I have a section if you want to maybe carve out some time in the morning is really beneficial to get moving first thing in the morning. Some ideas of morning exercises that can wake you up and get you ready for the day. I, like give me, give me an example of one. Give me, give me an example of one. I probably have done them. <laughs> yes. A glute bridge is yeah. very, very key. Um, something called a dead bug, which is not a dead insect, but it is in fact one of the most effective core exercises that you can do to not just align your pelvis and your lower back, but also wake up your core for the day to keep you moving really well. And just a, a ton of other mobility exercises that are really good at starting the day. Nothing crazy intense, but just to get the blood flowing and get everything aligned and ready to go. So I've actually given 11 different exercises with links to videos where you can watch me do them. I talk you through how to do them to make sure you're doing them right. So that's another big fear a lot of people have is they're saying, okay, I want to exercise, but I'm afraid I might hurt myself. Yep. And that's often, you know, that's when people go, I'm out. 
You know, if I can't be sure I'm going to do this safely, I'm out. So I try to talk you through exactly how it's supposed to look and what you're supposed to feel and how to do it. Um, along with providing in the guide, just some, some pictures and brief description of each exercise. So that's in there. Um, also give some exercises that you can do in the office or while you're working, you know, some sneaky things that you might be able to do under the desk during a zoom call. Um, but certainly things you can do standing up at the Wait, office. Could you rephrase that sneaky things you could do under the desk during a zoom call has, has all kinds of, uh, there's just, I've, my, my mind went to all kinds of places. Could you give an example of one so that I can unsee the images I was uh, okay, filling my head with? Thank you. Very much, Chris. I guess, I guess saying physical activity is not going to help either. So, yeah, I, I think for me, you know, I find a lot of people have achy knees, um, particularly those that sit a lot during the day. And what we find is if your ankles are a little stiffer, that can actually exacerbate knee soreness. So I give a couple of mobility exercises for your ankle. Um, one is very simple, a a a ankle circles but it's actually how you do the ankle circle that matters. So I talk you through an easy way that's effective to do some ankle circles to, to loosen up our ankles a bit. So maybe when you stand up from your chair, your knees aren't going to be as creaky. You know, that's a big one. That's actually something I've learned from Chris is that it's, it's what's that, what's that kid's song? Like the ankle bones connected to the, <laughs> whatever that is, is that, is, is it, Oh, you're, are your knees sore? Let's do ankle circles. I'm like, why? Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he's he, he he's onto something carry on there chris yeah it makes it and you know things you could do in your chair like oftentimes when we're slumped over at our desk and we're on the computer our thoracic spine becomes very very stiff and that can affect our lower back it could affect our shoulder it could affect our neck so doing some some simple mobility drills there in the chair can be very very helpful so i provide again videos on how to do them and some descriptions on how to do them so basically it's it's giving you a little bit of the the how to do stuff with some big keys to success, some of which we're talking about today and then maybe some, some extra ones as well that we don't have time to get through today. So it's a really good guide. Again, my website, chrisbarless.com forward slash busy professional. It's uh, C-H-R-I-S-B-A-R-L-I-C-S, barlicks.com. Correct. You spend a lot of time with people even older than I am, Chris. What do older people teach you? I, I, I think we, we got our guide going on here. We've got, we we're talking about persistence rather than consistency or trying to balance those things. But yeah, I just was, uh, maybe as we kind of close out, I just wondered, because you're a, you're a thoughtful guy and what have you learned from working with, I mean, I, th I think to myself, you worked with guy, a person who's 95, like, yeah, what kind of lessons do the boomers and the older people that you work with offer you? That is a great question. So, I mean, I, I learn just as much, if not more, from my clients than, than they learn from me. But I think I've learned a couple of things. I, I think, you know, for me, they're who I want to be when I grow up. Because mm. if, if someone is 93 or 94 or 95 and they're exercising four or five days a week and finding time, for, I mean, that's what I want to be able to do. You know, I have a client, she, you know, she's 93 and she drives herself to the gym three days a week by herself. And she comes in, she walks in, she grabs her exercise card and does it. And she is sharp as a tack and has made tremendous progress. So she teaches me, you know, gives me the inspiration for my next phase of my fitness goal. It's not about being muscular or ripped. It's about being functional. So I can be around till I'm 95 years old. It also teaches me a little bit about the power of regret. 
And, you know, I actually have clients that have said to me, I wish I started doing this sooner. Yeah. And, you know, it's never, ever too late to start exercising. But I have a lot of people who, you know, in their 70s, they say, you know, I wish I would have done this 15 years ago. I wish I would have done this 10 years ago. So there's, there's some of that too. But also, you know, I think the thing that I've learned is, you know, everybody, everybody, everybody goes through their, their journey, right? Everybody right. goes through life and has their own struggles and their own wins and their own successes. And that's, that's part of life, the ups and downs. But the key is just to learn to, to, to accept life for what it is and just find the small moments that are going to be very, very powerful and very, very meaningful. I hear people talking all the time about, you know, their kids and, you know, the, the things that they still remember about certain little moments that don't seem very powerful. So I, it helps me really appreciate life a little bit more and go, okay, I have to make sure I don't miss them because I, I was able to, you know, talk to Helen who's 93. Um, and I want to be able to be 93 telling my trainer when I'm 93 years old, <laughs> all these things. So it, it's, it's, I, I find what I do and who I work with super fulfilling, better than anything else that I could ever imagine doing. So that the intergenerational connection. I worked with an organization, a Jewish organization in New York a couple of years ago called Derot, and stand, that's the Hebrew word for generations. And it's not like you're 16 or 22, I, I, but, but you are a different generation from those that you train. And, mm-hmm. and Derot and it brings the generations together. So you go to Derot on a Friday afternoon and there's, there's a chess match happening. And it might be happening between a 13-year-old kid who's studying for his bar mitzvah, right, against an 85-year-old woman who lives independently on the Upper Upper West Side. And you you wonder who's teaching who more, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I think that that's, you know, folks like you, folks like (laughs) bartenders, I guess it's not very healthy, but, like, like you, you get a front row seat to people's stories. And, and they, and if you listen closely, then you absorb them and they become part of the narrative you want to create for yourself. And, and I think that's, that's part of, I think that's part of the heart that you put into the work that you do. And I'm really glad that you're sharing it more widely than with just your, um, the folks who are um, lucky enough to call you a trainer, but also with your um, online presence. Um, I hope a lot of people um, start to really, really connect with you and understand sort of all the dimension of the work that the, uh, all the dimension of what you bring to the work, both your knowledge as well as the heart and soul that you put into it. So I'm excited for your, uh, for, for your online journey. And as always, both appreciative of you joining me as a guest, but mostly appreciative of the fact that I probably spend more time with you than, <laughs> than like most other people in my life with the possible exception of my my staff and my wife. So this was fun. Thank you, Chris. This this was great. And I hope I hope it was it was helpful and worth it for those that were listening in. Yeah, and, definitely. You know, Joan, I, Joan, I have to say personally, like I've learned absolutely so much from you. I, I really I enjoy everything that you've done for me and all of the the cool advice you give while I'm torturing you in the exercise session. <laughs> You are a helper if I've ever seen one. Well, thanks. So it's chrisbarlicks.com. And the the guide for busy professionals is chrisbarlicks.com forward slash busy professionals. Speaking of busy professionals, we should let you, the busy professional, 
um, get on with repairing the world in ways large and small. So Chris Barlicks, thanks for joining us. And thank you all for listening. Take good care of yourself. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Try to stay sane. And thanks for all the work you do. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. I hope you found the conversation valuable as you navigate the messy world of nonprofits. Check out all my other resources at joangary.com. Hope you find them helpful too. Lastly, thank you for the work you do to repair the world in ways large and small. I'll see you next time.